Welcome to Divided We Stand for May 24, 2020. I am Joe McGuire along with Mike Agadiosi and Sam Yosafi. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick COVID update before we jump into some of the latest news. There are now 5.35 million cases around the world and 343,000 deaths. 1.66 million cases here in the USA with 98,000 deaths. Now, globally, about 3.4% of reported cases have died. So anyone who suggests this is like the flu is lying to you. This is at least three and a half times more deadly than the common flu. So let's throw that out, out the window for a minute. Wear a mask, wash your hands, and social distance because the second wave, guys, is going to be much worse than the first. And kind of watching the way things are opening up and, and seeing some of the lax attitude toward social distancing, I've got real concerns going forward as to how this is going to play out over the next couple of months. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we are seeing a lot of states reopening, and I actually saw a story, um, I don't know if I think it was out of Missouri, where there was a hairstylist, uh, two hairstylists that uh, had tested positive, or they were positive for coronavirus, or showed the symptoms of coronavirus, were giving out haircuts to people, and now they want to they want to get these people in and try to have them tested, the people that had contact with them. I don't know if you saw that story, Joe, but I saw that, I think, yesterday. I saw it. Um, you know, again, this is the problem that we run into. And when we talk about your individual liberties and your right to go out there and, and earn your way, you know, earn your way and, and, and have your business and make money, you, you have a certain responsibility to public health and public safety. And that's going to be, again, and I wish Duncan was here to argue uh, about the court cases that I'm sure will be coming. But when a governor makes an executive order in the case of public health and has the scientific data to back it up, good luck winning that in court. Uh, these orders, again, are, are – are, I saw a very interesting article in the Daily Wire uh, that I'd like to I, – I shared with you guys earlier in the week or the Daily Caller, whatever that garbage site is, <laughs> where they suggested that Dr. Fauci is now um, – uh, going back on what he said initially about coronavirus, and, and I, I've said this before on this show, so I'll say it again just to clear the air. Dr. Fauci and everybody um, at the, the National Institute of, of uh, Disease have been very clear that the quarantine wasn't like this is going to be life in the future. That the quarantine was to not overwear the healthcare system while we were fighting the seasonal flu, which was a really bad seasonal flu season as well. And the idea of reopening was always on the agenda. So to suggest that Dr. Fauci suddenly come in the grips with, well, you know, this is a bad idea. It was never about that. It was never about your, your safety or keeping you healthy. It was just not overwhelming the healthcare system. And, and Sam, I don't, for the life of me, understand why people don't seem to grasp that. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's tough because Dr. Fauci did kind of go backwards in what he said before. Um, I saw an interview that he was telling people that the masks are not, you know, they're not necessary, um, that they never were. And um, so I think it's confusing people. So there's a contradictory message going on. So and, and people look to him for to tell them what to do in this situation because it's a new situation. But this is what we want. And we we've talked about this and the idea you know, even with Trump, where, look, when you've got some new information, 
you can say, oh, well, look, that doesn't make any sense. Why do it? You know, there's there's it's not like, you know what? Again, I uh, so many people are talking about this, like, you know, we're we're under house arrest or whatever. I mean, I leave my house whenever I want or need to. And that's rare at this point because I don't want to touch any of you people. No offense. <laughs> you know, we'll see what life is like when we get back to normal. But I don't feel like my liberties have been stripped here. I, I, I own a business. And as you can see, we're literally doing it as we sit here. So um, I understand people need to go out there and make their money. The government put programs in to make sure that companies didn't go bankrupt. Forgivable loans where you could make your payroll payments, and it's forgiven as long as you use 60% of it on payroll. So I understand people want to go out there and risk their lives, but sorry, it, it, it's a global pandemic. And until people understand the severity of it, the way this thing spreads, and the fact that millions more people are going to get it, millions, is something I think everyone needs to come to terms with now as we reopen, because there is going to be a second wave. And let's hope that we get it together and don't get devastated by it, because that would be a real tragedy. Absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, I can understand people being locked up in their houses, if well, locked up, quote unquote, uh, for the past couple of months, and they are just really yancy to get out and get back to work. And of course, there are, like I've said before, people that are struggling, barely being able to stay afloat. Uh, businesses that need to reopen, but uh, there's some businesses that may never recover from this. So you can understand people's frustration you can understand them wanting to get out there and start going back to work and i mean so on the one hand i say yeah i i kind of uh, sympathize with these people that they they want to make a living they want to get out of the house they want to bring home the bacon like they were before this thing started but with um, I'll just... in mind it's, but yeah, they, but mean... if they do it within Guys. safety within safety guidelines though but but in some cases, they don't. And who's liable when you open up your hair salon and you infect 20 people? Who's responsible for that? Yeah, it's the business. You know, oh, it's yeah, the, the private property. Owner, obviously. So um, I just wanted to, to add, because I think people forget that we live in America and what that means in the scope of the rest of the world. You know, America is based off a strong economy and going to work, you know, we attract people from around the world who come here and want to work and want to contribute to the society and the economy itself. So I think people are freaking out, but they need to remember that this is all a temporary measure and that America will go back to business as usual. And as much as we're afraid that it won't, uh, I think we're just being impatient at this point because we need to be sensitive to the fact that there is a pandemic and, you know, we're seeing people around us getting sick. So, um, why why push it if uh if we could spare some lives and make the world a healthier place and at least you know like you said don't overbear the uh the hospitals and don't overwork the uh that system um that's here to guide us during this time so again for me that's all this thing has ever been i'm i'm comfortable in quarantine i'm safe my my family's here we're safe we spend time together uh we we learn we educate we we try to make the most of an unfortunate situation but again, I don't I don't feel like I'm a prisoner in my home. I don't feel like uh, I'm going without. There were a few days in there where I didn't have any toilet paper. You know, thank goodness for baby wipes. But, you know, we survive and, and we struggle. But again, Sam, I think people are getting impatient. I think you, you're on to something there. Uh, Michael, for people who are in trouble financially, I understand that. So reach out to your local uh, authorities and, 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 and I'm sure something can be done. I'm sure exemptions can be made in like situations. I think that's the best way probably to approach this. But anyway, 
enough about that. Again, wash your hands, wear a mask, and social distance so that we can get over this thing sooner than later because, boy, there's an election coming up, and, uh, boy, Joe Biden is not making this easy on Democrats at all. He's certainly making it really easy on Republicans, I'll say that much. Uh, In an interview on the radio show The Breakfast Club, which is nationally syndicated, Joe Biden responded to a question from the show's co-host, Charlemagne, uh, by saying that if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. He walked back those remarks hours later, acknowledging in a campaign call with black business leaders that he'd perhaps been, quote, much too cavalier. He said, I know that the comments have come off like I was taking the African-American vote for granted, but nothing could be further from the truth. I've never, ever done that, and I've earned it every time I've run. I was making the point that I was never taking the vote for granted. Which is interesting, because that actually doesn't sound like that at all, unless he's turned into the onion and he's just being very satirical. Uh, Tim Scott of South Carolina, who's the only black Republican senator, said the comments were, quote, the most arrogant, condescending comments I've heard in a very long time. And, quote, and this is a guy who hangs out with Donald Trump. So imagine. Now, Joe Biden has apologized, which, of course, is something Trump would never do. Does this hurt Biden with Democrats and, more importantly, with independents? I think it's not scoring any points with uh, independents uh, with what he said there. And uh, uh, I have to say, if this had been Donald Trump making this kind of statement, we would never hear the end of it. I mean, well, Biden we would because he would say something worse tomorrow to throw. Well, us probably up. probably right. But Joe Biden is known for these kind of racial comments. I mean, remember a few years back of what he said about convenience store people. He said, you can't go into a convenience store without hearing an Indian accent. I remember that a few years back. He's made he's made stupid comments like that. And it doesn't help him. And I, I, I'm like I've said before, I'd love him to keep talking, not shut his mouth, just keep talking the way he's doing all the way through November. I mean, this is going to help. Uh, it's going to help uh, Donald Trump big time. It's going to help the GOP big time. And I uh, may even uh, may even bring Hillary Clinton back. You never know. Sam, Hillary oh, Clinton's not coming back. Tell him that, please. <laughs> um, you never know. I was told to tell you that she's not coming back. Um, the, I don't know. I don't know where your sources are, Joe, but uh, I'll, I'll roll with that. We'll, we'll just uh, use it as wishful Thanks, thinking. You know, you know, I think Joe Biden, um, you asked if this hurts his stance. I think it does hurt his stance. But at the same time, I think Joe was just trying to be cool. <laughs> I think he was just trying to fit in, to be honest. Uh, you ain't, you know, and he was trying to be cool and it failed. You know, it's just like comedian goes on stage and they try to tell a controversial joke and it bombs, you know. And uh, I think he was just trying to be funny. And it's it is uh, an insensitive thing to say, because especially because you're running for president. Um, and the history between Democrats also. Um, but at the same time, I don't think he meant, uh, he had malicious intent with what he said, you know? And um, I, I, I kind of feel that way, but I could see how someone would get offended. And it is Joe Biden and people are kind of waiting for him to slip up and trying to wait for something to jump on him to say wrong so they could uh, mock him for it. And he gave him perfect target for it. So <laughs> I just said last week for them to keep him in a bunker and don't let him talk to anybody. And they sent him to literally the number one rated 
syndicated <sighs> show for uh, the young black demographic of America. It's a very popular show, The Breakfast Club. <laughs> he needs I to mean, keep talking. Really? No, he needs to stay out <laughs> of the bunker. That's what you want. I want him to keep talking, absolutely. Did you also notice what he said, though, after, uh, after that? He said that he's been endorsed by the NAACP, and they came out and made a statement saying, well, we don't endorse political candidates, so that was a lie. <laughs> well, That's another okay. gaffe right there. I yeah. think he's just trying to be cool. <laughs> and that's another way to try to fit in, I guess, with the, the crowd that he was in. You know, politicians are chameleons a lot of the time. And I think that's what he was trying to do. Well, sure. Look, he's going to go in, into, a, into a synagogue, you know, on the Sabbath. And, and he's going to put on a, a yarmulke and, and do the blessings. Of course. Here he was on a, on a black radio station addressing, you know, a mostly black audience. And, and, and I guess what I find the worst is, it, and Sam, you pointed it out. And you're right, he wasn't trying to be cool, but the, you ain't black? Yeah. Oh, Insen- very insensitive. Goodness and gracious. Very out-of-date way of trying to be in touch with the people. And uh, he just failed miserably. And, and and you know what? Deep down, it, became, it came across as insensitive because in a lot of ways, it probably was. I apologize for my light. <laughs> <laughs> Your light just blew my up. Light, my light, yeah, it's... Uh-oh. I'll be right back. Hold on one second. You know what makes me laugh? It, 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 that, that's almost like uh, when, when Joe Biden had that thought pop into his head. It's unfortunate that he didn't have what happened to Sam because now, that I'd might have, to, have, I'd, have uh... to, I'd have to say by watching the video, I would have to say maybe you know Sam is right, where Biden didn't really mean it as a malicious racial comment to insult black people. I think he said it as a, as a joke or tried to be cool or tried to be funny. And it blew up in his face. And this is why I want Joe to keep talking all the way to November. This is why I want, want him to stay out of that bunker. You say, Joe, let him keep talking, let him keep on keeping on. So it, it, you know, the GOP don't have to do anything. Just let Joe Biden talk. That's why it's going to be great to see the, the, the uh, debates. I can't oh wait goodness. for the debates. Can you imagine the things that are going to be said in the, in these debates? <laughs> it's going to be this fun. This is going to be this is I'm telling you right now, they might as well put this like in a steel cage. <laughs> and don't let anybody in inter- like if they if oh these two gosh. come to blows, just let them do it. Let them have it out. I think that we will see some physical activity at these debates, some uh, violence. People these two, you know, just smacking each other like that. I mean, I I can see it happening. When I think about the things he said to Hillary Clinton, and I think Donald Trump, while again, I know he doesn't have a great record with women or being around women, I, I think he at least has somewhat common sense that you wouldn't speak to a woman too poorly on national TV. I think when it comes to Joe Biden, that he will say things that, that he only imagined he would say to Hillary Clinton. I, I think we're going to definitely see some pretty... um. I think it's going to be Must messy TV kind of it's, debates. It's going to be messy. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be messy, but I'm, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Sam, do you watch the debates? Are you a big fan of the debates? I, I do try to catch them. Um, I, I, I try not to follow too close in the most recent years in the last few debates. Um, I think after Trump, um, and Hillary, it was mostly Hillary. I wasn't really worried about Trump at the time. I was more worried about Hillary. Uh, and then when Hillary lost and Trump won, I just kind of threw my hands in the air and um, go with the flow. And I try not to follow too close because I find that federal um, elections are a bit out of reach. Um, that's just my opinion. I feel like local elections are what I'd rather focus on, um, things that I could change in, in my own environment. Uh, and the things around me, but um, 
because uh, Donald Trump is an actor. And uh, when, I, when I saw him even run for president, it was uh, alarming to me. So I, I kind of uh, lost a bit of faith in the whole political system uh, as a whole uh, through the recent years, just from all the shenanigans going on. All, all these uh, subjects we speak about, you know, all the controversies and scandals, you know, it's uh, it kind of wore on my political interests for uh, for the presidential election. But I will be I definitely um, stay informed and watch uh, what I can for sure. I think these debates are going to be worth it. I think uh, <laughs> if there were ever debates to watch, it's going to be between these two guys. Again, it, it seems as though nothing is off limits. Neither one of these guys is really going to outright apologize for what they said. Um, you know, again, Biden's whole thing here is, is, is like, you know, I might have said something dumb, but look at my record, which unfortunately for him isn't a great record. Uh, he was was part of that criminal justice reform under the Clinton administration that put millions and millions of black Americans behind bars on minor offenses so i don't know i don't know if he really wants to be pointing out his record but he definitely probably doesn't want to be talking too much um something else happened this week and i'm only going to bring this up because i thought it was kind of funny uh trump's press secretary kaylee mcanini who is uh perfect for the job uh as far as uh, Happy to say whatever needs to be said up there uh, with little or no regard for the truth. Uh, but during a press briefing on Friday, uh, she was telling about uh, this great story about the president donating his salary, a $100,000 salary uh, to the Department of Health and Human Services to, quote, support the efforts being undertaken to confront, contain and combat the coronavirus. End quote. Uh, in the process, she displayed the president's private account. And routing numbers. Now, the check that she held up appeared to be a real check from Capital One with all the relevant details. An administration official says they were not using a mock check. Obviously, uh, this is the president's banking information. I'm sure they'll take the proper precautions. I found this to be sort of a fake controversy this week. Like, it was almost like the media just needed something new to harp on. Kaylee McEnany is a nitwit as far as I'm concerned. What she was doing, I, I understand it. It was it was right out of the playbook of uh, Sean Spicer and Sarah Huckabee. You know, I was like, hey, take a look at this. Is this a fake controversy or is this another example, though, of the Trump administration just not being on the same page? I think it's uh, I think it's what you said. It's uh, the media needed something to you know nitpick at, and this is uh, one of the things that they are going to nitpick at, uh, despite the fact that Trump has given this money away, he's given his salary away to charity, not even taking a salary. Uh, the media doesn't even say anything about that. They just said, oh, look, they exposed his bank account numbers and the routing numbers. Oh, my gosh, we got to make this a national news story, have uh, have pundits come on a roundtable and have all these talks about it on every uh, major news network and so on and so forth. And they, they just look for something to really nitpick at Trump about. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I think it's a manufactured uh, problem. You know, it's they're, they're reaching for things at this point. Um, you know, it was a big deal when he was running and the um, all of the politicians running against him were asking to see his tax IDs and they made a big deal out of it. So now that it's it, it was forgotten for a couple of years, now it's coming back around. So I think they're just reaching for things, you know, at this point, I'd have to agree with that. 
I, you know, it upsets me when I see things like this because I, I really feel like in the long run, all it does is take away from legitimate news. You know, again, you go to one of these press briefings, you go to a, a Trump press conference, you go to a Trump rally. It, it, you can't go to any of these things and act like you're I can't believe I, I'm hearing things that aren't necessarily true. I don't understand how people can still play that game. You know, I remember when we talked about this a couple months ago, Mike, on the show, before Sam joined the crew here, uh, we had discussed he had over 15,000 documented lies. When's the last time anybody even brought that that ever-growing list up? We've now become conditioned to the fact that the guy tells lies, and a lot of them, for whatever reason. I've got a big one I'm going to tell you guys about in just a couple of minutes, but before we get to that... <laughs> Before we get to that, the uh, United States Supreme Court heard a case, or actually two cases, this past week that will require it to decide when an employee becomes, quote, a minister and loses legal employment protections, okay? The debate over who is a minister and what duties they need to perform is the question at hand. The answer is right now seems to be their boss. The cases would expand a doctrine that was announced in 2012 when the court unanimously granted religious employers a sweeping exception to civil rights laws. Back in 2012, obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of court observers and pundits were surprised that the liberal justices went along with that. They're certainly regretting it at this point. It seems right now as though the five conservative justices are leaning towards uh, sort of this overhaul and allowing churches and religious organizations who, mind you, have tax-free exemption, uh, will have the right to discriminate in their hiring. Okay, These are not private companies. The law should apply. Michael, I know you're, you're a, a religious guy. I know you're yeah. a churchgoer. Your, your church basically uh, could fire the secretary if they find out she's a lesbian, no matter how long she's been there and with no no provocation. That's it. You're out. Well, it's like I've said before, and this is the reason why I am totally against uh, tax exemption for churches. They should not be 5013Cs at all. Uh, they should pay their fair share of taxes. And you know, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but I think they should be because then you have the government hanging things over their head saying, well, you're tax exempt. You either do it this way or this way or the other way. Look, I'm all for uh, I'm all for equal employment. I'm all for uh churches, but I'm also all for, for churches if they are private organizations. And this is the reason why, again, to get them away from that 5013C so that they are private organizations. They can hire and fire whoever they choose for whatever reason. Sort of like my, well, like my company that I work for, they have a termination at will. They could fire me for whatever reason they want. And I agreed to that when I signed on for this job. And that's what these Christian organizations and churches should also have that ability to be known as private uh, private organizations not being tax exempt where they have the government has this hold on them and as a private entity they should be able to hire and fire whoever they want for whatever reason but that's not the question the question is as currently situated oh. and and by being tax exempt do they have the right to circumvent the law and again it's going to come down to and i don't like this that basically the head of that organization can decide whether you're a minister or not, 
so that the laws don't apply to you no matter what your job is. Well, under, under the current laws, uh, then I would have to say I would agree with what you're saying, Joe, if, under the current situation. Um, usually when someone is ordained a minister in a church, they usually are licensed by the state as well. They, they usually have a state recognition or license of some kind. Um, I don't believe anyone can point at someone and say, well, you're a minister today. I mean, although when you look in the Bible, a minister could be anyone who serves. And right. they could go on that particular level and say, oh, well, since you serve, you are a minister. I mean, in that respect, you could say that. But to say you're an ordained or licensed minister, you, you can't just make someone an, an ordained licensed minister at the drop of a hat. So, Michael, Even, that's literally what the loophole they're exploiting is. Well, and right. that's why and, this is at the Supreme Court is because literally when someone goes to file a lawsuit, they were like, oh, you were a minister. Yeah, so no, I and, and, and I, I, totally, I totally agree with what you're saying, Joe. I mean, okay. based upon the current law. You're very law. consistent with that. I appreciate that, Mike. No, I, I, I am. I try to be. I try to be as consistent as I can with the current law. And again, I go back to my thing where churches should not be tax exempt. Uh, but I don't think that's ever going to change, though. That, that'll always stay that way. But if I ever started a church, I would never be 5013C. There you go. Yeah, yeah, Mike, Mike, I'm learning a lot from you right now on that subject, to be honest. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that, you know, when America was founded, you know, they had to make that 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 difference between the church and the state and um you know now as time goes on you know eventually there's going to be issues like these that come up and you know with people taking advantage of loopholes i think with anything whether it's religion or, or business you know taking advantage of a loophole is something that eventually will get regulated and looked at so um you know it's up to the people i think mike is uh, pretty well versed in that you know but it's up to the people involved to decide and declare you know is this loophole you know and especially from a church is it moral is it ethical and is it taking advantage of the law and the way that it's written so and i, I always refer i'm sorry i always refer back to romans 13 where it says we must abide by the governing laws i know a lot of people use that but we i mean if the laws in place we need to abide by the governing laws and that's how it is until they change it i find it a little concerning that these justices are like home in their jammies deciding all these kids. I, 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 I don't know. Stuff doesn't feel right about it. It is kind of weird now that you mention it. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's in her bathrobe. <laughs> oh, and I'll tell you this. This is really cool, too, because they're doing it like teleconferencing. Uh, Clarence Thomas has to actually talk now so that they know he's there. And he's been asking quite a few questions. Uh, so, so this actually may have some long-term benefit. It's like the ninth justice on the court actually works now. Well, That's great. Hey, times change, you know? <laughs> yeah, they sure do. <laughs> Boy, this is a new world that we live in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I told you guys we were going to have to talk about a lie that Donald Trump's been telling, and he's been telling it for a really long time. It dates back to 2013. Uh, he claims he was the best baseball player in the state of New York in the year 1963 slash to 1964. He said, quote, I will never forget the first time I saw my name in the newspaper. It was when I got the winning home run in a game between our academy and Cornwall High School. It was 1964. It was in a little local paper. It simply said, in bold, Trump homers to win the game. I just loved it. I will never forget it. It was better than actually hitting the home run. Now, somebody went and finally researched all this. They went through all the newspapers 
uh, in the area from 64 to 65. Uh, not only did was there no account of that ever happening, uh, Cornwall High School, and, and his, they didn't even play in 64 or in 65. But it gets better, guys. Uh, Trump, who was a first baseman, and, and from what I understand from his teammates, a solid defensive first baseman, could not hit a lick, uh, was was uh, basically given a chance to go to a pro camp. And while he was there, he says, he met another young fella, a guy by the name of Willie McCovey. And it was at that point Trump decided real estate and, and instead of baseball. Well, there's a problem with that. Willie McCovey in 1964 was already a five-time All-Star in Major League Baseball. Now, Trump tweeted in 2013, here's the tweet, I played baseball and, and football, sorry, but said to be the best b-ball player in New York. Asked Coach Ted DeBias, said best he ever coached. Okay, guess who was never the coach? Ted DeBias, who happened to be a very close friend of the president. I mean, guys, look, this isn't a front-page news article. I happened to stumble across it while I was reading the actual news. I went down a wormhole. I was about 10 deep. I saw the article, and I've always been fascinated by that. Uh, You guys both know me. I'm a huge baseball fan, okay? Oh, yeah. And as I've told you before, going back to my childhood, I've always liked Donald Trump. Always was well aware of who this guy was, being from New York City. I spent a lot of time in in New York and New Jersey when I was a kid. We've all told stories about our glory days. Sometimes we embellish the story a little bit. This is an outright fabrication. I mean, to like mythical proportions where he's calling in people to testify on his behalf. We talk about what a lunatic Biden is. Is Trump a pathological liar, Mike? Or is he just like this insane, ego-driven narcissist? It's got to be, right? Is it one or the other? (laughs) Sam, I like that you're laughing about this. I I love how you're framing the question. I know. I'm trying to be be fair here because I recently (laughs) was retelling a story myself of my high school baseball career. And I'll be honest, I was dishonest. (laughs) I embellished the story. Uh, don't but I'm not running for president, and if I was called out on it, if I was running for president, I'd be like, ah, that didn't happen. <laughs> not the way I said it did, at least. Why does he uh, continue to do this, Mike, and why does that not in the least bit affect his credibility for you? I don't get it. It's it's an ego thing, man. I mean, come on. You're bragging about, like you said, you're bragging about your glory days, and you want to make yourself out to be the greatest baseball player since sliced bread. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> Really, uh, it's it's uh, it is an ego thing, and I I don't well it's credibility in that respect. Uh, yeah, I guess he really wasn't a greatest baseball player, and maybe that's why he went into real estate. I mean, he couldn't play baseball as well as he said he could. But uh, am I going to call him a pathological liar? Eh, maybe just right, a little. I'll, take, I'll take if you're even considering it. I'll take it. I will say this. I mean, it isn't truthful, so he's lying. As somebody who also has a real estate license, I am a realtor also uh, amongst the many things I do. He is very good at real estate. I will say that he is like the Babe Ruth of real estate. I I could give him that, but then why lie about baseball, Sam? That's what I don't get. Can you just be the Babe Ruth of real estate? Tiny hands. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Um, Very good. That's that's got to be it. (laughs) 
<laughs> absolutely um, yeah. drives me nuts about this guy. It really does. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. Uh, he's both a pathological liar mixed with being an egomaniac. So, you know, when you're both of those things, these types of stories come out. <laughs> um, you know, I wish I was in the NBA, but uh, I had to end up getting my CDL and be a truck driver. But um, I guess I'm not Donald Trump, so I can't sit here and uh, make up the facts, you know, bring it up your book and Photoshop my picture and, uh, you know, on all the high school teams and I don't understand I mean, Trump. There's a lot about him I don't understand. This is one of them, for sure. I mean, to be honest, I, I would respect him more if he came out and said, well, you know, I guess I was kind of exaggerating about my baseball career and just admit it and come clean. I mean, I probably would respect him a little more in that respect. Guys, why do you think it is that he can't do that? Because, look, he, you know, he, he said a whole bunch of stuff. And and like I said, somebody went and, and researched. They went through old box scores. They went through newspapers everything they could get to sort of see if they could verify any of this. Like I said, right down to that, Ted, Ted Tobias was not even the coach of the baseball team. What an insanely, here's my point. Everything he lied about. It, it's one thing if I said, look, I got the, I, I had a swing that was pro caliber. It's another thing to say, I had a 650 batting average and I hit 25 <laughs> bombs. That's all stuff people could look up and prove was not true. If you said I could run like a four five forty, well, they never tested me, but I was really fast. Okay, but but if you were on the track team and they've got like four years of your running records, you you you're not going to be able to make up the numbers. And that's my concern is if you're going to lie about something that I can look up and be like, um, no, what stops you from lying about anything else? And Sam. Because Mike sort of gives him a pass on this. How do you trust oh, anything not, that comes out of this guy's mouth? Not necessarily. <laughs> um, I think that Trump is so far gone with his whole life. You know, growing up, I mean, he was son of a, a rich kid. He was in the public eye. He's been on TV. You know, he's been on so many TV shows, movies. Rappers rap about him in their songs. He's, a, you know, he's an icon uh, for the world, you know, and especially in business. And so he's just been through so much that at this point, he doesn't even necessarily know what's real and what's not. You know, he was a host of a reality show, which is probably the furthest thing from reality you could do. Um, and this is just an extension of his of the facts that he's not in touch with reality, I think. Well, I'm not exactly giving him a pass. I mean, like I said, like I said, if he come out now and come clean about it, because a lot of when, when he said that was before he was president. I mean, he should yeah. come out. He should come out now and say, well, you know, I said that back then I was wrong. I I, I kind of lied about it. He should come out and admit that this stuff's not true. And uh, don't do this again. Now that you're president, you can't get away with this. I mean, they they can find out if something's a truth or not, If you even if you said it 20 years ago. So, Well, how about this for a kick in the teeth on top of everything? Is And I, and I know Donald Trump is a baseball fan, okay? So much so. Uh, and, and he's a Yankees fan. He actually was considering uh, the Yankees uh, president of operations, Randy Levine, to be his first chief of staff. Like, that's how legit he looks at baseball and the way the Yankees organization is run. I love that. Um, and I know he loves baseball. And I know he wanted to be really good at baseball. I did, too. Uh, I, I didn't need Willie McCovey to prove to me uh, that I didn't belong once I got to be 17, 18. I knew that my skills were too limited. Um, again, I don't lie about it. I, I, he's, so he's broken with tradition, by the way. 100 years of presidents throwing out the first pitch at baseball games. He's never done it. 
the greatest baseball player in the state of New York, a huge <laughs> Yankees fan, and he's never thrown out the first pitch in a baseball game. He's not going to do it this year, obviously. Well, no, not well, you know what? Not for nothing, Michael, but if he wants to show me how safe everything is, why don't you go should. do it? And maybe he should. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a good point. That would I be like a good point. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Show Get him out there. safe it is. You go, out Get him out there. There. You, you go out there, you throw out the first pitch, you sit through a game. I'll go to the game tomorrow I, night. I agree with many things when it comes to that. I agree with, yeah, Trump and all them prove to us that everything's safe. You know, um, same thing with um, with so many things going on today, you know, with the whole Bill Gates thing. Like, I just want leaders to prove it. If you're going to try to lead the people and tell them to do something, tell us to do something that you would do yourself, you know? And go out there and throw the for first pitch with a mask on. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I'm telling you right now, I, I just wonder what would happen if this guy woke up tomorrow and decided he was like, you know what, I'm going to try to be like Roosevelt and Lincoln and all these great guys before me. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to say some cool stuff. I'm going to try to be as centrist as I can just for a day. What do you think would happen? What do you think the reaction of the media would be if this guy came out there and showed concern for all Americans and came out there and had a positive message and said smart stuff? And the fact checkers were like, oh my goodness, we could take today off. This is amazing. What do you think the reaction of the media would be? Do you think it would be negative, Mike? Or do you think that they would be like, oh my goodness, can we get this every day forever? I think people would like the guy if he cut the crap. People would like him more if, if he did. Yeah, if he, were, if he was like that. And, and I, I don't know if the media would react positively per se, uh, because anything this guy does, they can't stand. So it doesn't matter. He could walk on water and they'll still find some negative spin on that. So I don't I don't really trust the media as far as I can throw them anyway. So I hate that example because that's a suggestion that he could walk on water if he wanted to. I didn't say he could. I said he, I know if you, he I could. I know you didn't. I just think that there's people that listen to him like, well, he probably can. Uh, and I don't want to perpetuate that myth. <laughs> well, let's just say if he could. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sure there's a video out there of him stepping in a puddle. That's about yeah, right. it. Yeah. 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 I don't think they'd be too positive. That's my thing, because like I said, the media just hates the guy. So no matter what he does, he can't win. Yeah, I, I think at this point it would be like like hell freezing over for the media. I think uh, they would just lose their minds, to be honest, and try to keep looking for things to dig in the past to uh, throw dirt on him for. How do you think Fox News would react to that? And I know earlier this week he sort of, threw them aside again he didn't like a little bit of criticism uh your propaganda outlet's not supposed to do that mike i know you like the guy for the most part and i know you disagree with him when he does and i always i've always appreciated that about you i, I really do um he went after fox news this week because they criticized some things that he did and and i always say look when fox news is criticizing dude like wake up maybe maybe it is you this time yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, you have to learn to take constructive criticism. Uh, I mean, I even criticize Fox News. I don't think they're the end-all, be-all of conservatism. I mean, the, the, there's elements of Fox News I would never watch, uh, one of them being Neil Cavuto, because that's the guy who criticized Trump, and he was the one who fired back at Cavuto. So I, if if they have a legitimate thing to criticize him for, then 
he should have no cause to go back and say, well, you guys are a bunch of idiots and things like that. He has to take the constructive criticism, maybe learn from it and say, well, if I've done something wrong, well, maybe I should make a change and do something right for whatever. But uh, if, if it's legitimate criticism, then I'd say, yeah, he needs to take it like a leader, you know? Do you think that there is... I read a whole bunch of articles on all sorts of like super liberal websites lately. You know, this is the end of the Trump presidency, and I and I and I really don't think it's going to be at all. I really don't. Um, and I and I really think that the way this Corona thing shakes out in the end is ultimately what is going to decide whether or not Donald Trump lives to see another day. Uh, I I think if if by the time we get to the 2020 election, if there's like a million dead Americans and this thing is just out of control, he's done. Uh, no matter what idiotic thing comes out of Joe Biden's mouth, if Donald Trump can keep this thing under wraps, uh, you know, keep it level where where we're not seeing mass die off, I think he'll win the election because I I tell you right now. To me, I think anybody who gets affected by coronavirus, a, a death, okay, that that's gonna make you that's gonna make you reconsider your vote when when you hear the constant messaging from the other side that he blew the way that this thing was handled. So I really do think that that for me, nothing else matters right now except for what we see as far as that death plateau over the next couple of months. I, I have to agree with you there, Joe. If, if it does get to a point where it really is out of control by the time the election rolls around, I think it could hurt Donald Trump's chances of winning a second term because it will look, to, especially to the independents, that he didn't handle this very well. This thing is getting worse, and he's done nothing to really make it you know, go away or flatten the curve. So I think I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. And you're right. Maybe Joe Biden could win, uh, even if he keeps on saying stupid things. Uh, it, it all depends on where this coronavirus is going. And if they could put a, a stop to this and uh, get, get this under control before the fall. Although I've heard stories of uh, things where uh, people say it might get worse by then. There'd be a second wave coming. Um you know that has to that has to be stopped before it even starts. And if it isn't, I think uh, Trump would have a hard time in November. Yeah, I, I think that um, this whole pandemic, in a way, it might help Trump because I see that America um, has usually, like in a time of crisis and war, they'll stick by the president that's still, you know, serving out his term. So. As long as he doesn't mess things up too bad, I think he definitely has the stronghold on it, especially looking at his weak opposition. I mean, Joe Biden's his opposition. Um, he's not going up against uh, a real threat when it comes to the presidential election. And Trump is, is just a great speaker. You can't, you can't take that away from him, no matter if you like him or not. He knows how to engage a crowd, and Joe Biden just knows what to say wrong and all the time and not engage a crowd, <laughs> engage them in the wrong way. I guess that's my opinion. Some people might beg to differ with me on that when it comes to Joe Biden, um, but that's uh, as far as I see. I think this, this whole coronavirus, in actuality, will help Trump. We should clear the 100,000 death mark by the end of Memorial Day weekend, which is absolutely a tragedy, obviously. Um, projections, 300,000 by August. And it's a, it's a number that Trump and his own team came up with. 
it's again it's expected to get worse before it gets better and and you could still see as michael just alluded to that second wave in the fall i think if he's and i hate to put it like this but i think if he's under the 300,000 he wins i think if it's up 500 600 800,000 i think there's no way i think too many people will have lost someone and been directly affected that no matter what stupid thing comes out of Joe Biden's mouth, I think the majority of people would be like, well, it'd be better than this guy. I really do think, and I really think it's so important for Donald Trump. And again, and I and I'm, I root for the guy because I'm an American and I don't want to see any more people die. But I really do think that, that that's the nuts and bolts of the whole thing. If he controls this, he proves some sort of leadership. And it's not the conventional leadership we want or we like, or we're used to. But if he can get through it and show actual leadership, his base is rock. It's the independence. And incidentally, I mentioned this last week that we saw about a 12% swing uh, with with the uh, Bernie to Biden crowd. uh, And that was looking pretty good. Since then, uh, only 3% of former Bernie supporters has donated as much as a dime to the Biden campaign, this latest gaffe isn't going to help. I'm telling you, it, it, to me, the coronavirus is 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 going to be what determines our election, which is bonkers that that this thing that came out of nowhere uh, could very well decide who the next president of the United States is. And, but it is. It's on Trump, though. It's on Trump to prove that he's a leader and that he can lead. What what more could you ask for than a crisis? And again, I I, I you know I don't like the guy. But I wish for his success. I, I, his failure is is death to my fellow Americans, my friends, my family, me. So we've all got a lot of riding on this, and I and I hope everybody keeps an open mind. I know Joe Biden's an idiot, um, but I I I think Trump still has to prove uh, that he's got what it takes to be the president of the United States. And I think this is this is going to be his nine eleven. This is going to be his defining moment. I totally agree because it is critical. This is a critical time, and this election is even more critical than ever. And it is based, uh, I would say, a lot on this coronavirus and how he handles it in the coming months. Uh, that's what's going to be. Uh, that's what's going to be the uh, factor for Trump and his campaign to get a second term. I mean, six months ago we could have said, "Yeah, Trump's going to win easy, no problem." And then this came along, and all of a sudden, it's how he handles this. Is is there going to be more deaths. Is there going to be 500,000, maybe a million? Uh, who knows? I hope that's not the case. I really, really, like Joe said, uh, root for uh, Trump and to be able to um, control this thing before the election. I mean, it shouldn't, in a sense, it shouldn't be about the election, like, oh, we have to control this thing because I want to win a second term. It shouldn't be that at all. It should be, like you said, Joe, keeping this thing under control so more people uh, they that have it get you know recovered and no more deaths and no more uh, sicknesses or illnesses with this thing, but it is crucial and this is very important. Uh, it's a very important time we live in right now. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think right now Trump definitely has the ball in his court because America is getting to see him in action during a real crisis mm-hmm. and. Whereas the other candidates, you know, uh, we're not seeing them in action and we don't know how they would perform during a time like this, whereas we're seeing Trump in real time right now. So that's a huge upper hand. And um, to be honest, I mean, 
and I've been hearing a lot of, you know, uh, headlines and news stories, but I haven't heard too much about Joe Biden's plan for Corona. Um, and, and if it really would differ from what Trump is already doing and would it really matter in the case of an election? I think that Trump, um, I think that people will go into the election with Trump on their mind more than any other candidate, whether they're Republican or Democrat, to be honest. I just think he owns the uh, the stratosphere of what people's minds are thinking of these days with, uh, you know, with everything in the news and everything going on in the world. I think you're exactly right, yeah. Sam. I mean, I haven't heard Biden say a word about this thing. And, you know, I've said before on the show that I don't know that any president uh, would have been able to deal with this. Uh, and, and look, any any Americans dying is bad. Five thousand, ten, twenty, thirty, fifty. It's horrible. I mean, and but I I. I understand viruses enough and a pandemic enough to understand that if this was Hillary or if Biden were to become president, that this that doesn't make this problem any lesser. It doesn't make it go away. And you're right. The ball is in Trump's court. Trump, Trump can prove his leadership to a lot of people. And if he were to win that election and he were to show that kind of leadership, even for people who don't vote for him, just to see that he was able to guide the ship through one of the most unprecedented things in world history would speak volumes about Donald Trump. Okay. That's all I could say about it. Um, you know, again, I'm rooting for the guy as, as, as much as I don't like his style, I don't really care for him and, and anything about him, but uh, the ball is in his court. Let's see. Uh, you know, again, it, it seems lately to me, he's been taking, the words of his advisors and the people who know better. And when George W. Bush was president, I was a big W supporter. All I could say was, look, he surrounded himself with people who had amazing expertise. Now, they might be war criminals, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. Actually, the election's twenty twenty. <laughs> so one. anyway, here we go. Uh, guys, fantastic show. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm unfortunate uh, we didn't get Duncan and uh, Victoria. We're, we're uh, hoping we'll get them both back next week. Until then, yes. we would invite you to join us on our Facebook page. You'll find dueling posts from Duncan and I all week long. <laughs> they'll go far left. They'll go far right. Duncan will disagree with every source and any source as long oh. as he doesn't like it. I love reading those. They're fun. Aren't those the best? They're fun. And then about once a week, Duncan will uh, either quit or curse me out and then apologize. It's why I love the dude as much as I do. Mike Gadiosi, Sam Yosafi, I appreciate you guys joining me. I'm Joe McGuire. We'll catch you next week on Divided We Stand. <laughs>